This is the Non-Typical Nation podcast with your hosts, Brody Teal and Eric Liberty. Let's talk hunting and absolutely everything else that goes with it. Hunting season is days away, guys. The elk are already bugling. They're pretty vocal. So get your Smith game calls right now. Trash the hoochie mama and get something that actually sounds like an elk. The diaphragm calls by Smith game calls are a piece of cake to learn how to use. And uh, they sound absolutely incredible. Until August 31st, Smith game calls is offering buy one, get one 50% off. So go to their website at smithgamecalls.ca, use promo code ELK22 to receive that offer. Lights, camera, action, and we are rolling. It's go time, man. You ready? A couple more days. The season's uh, opened up, and uh, we've got the go-ahead to go get ourselves some 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 critters. Some meat meat. in the freezer? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we're only days away now. I mean, we're recording this podcast about a week out from opening season, but uh, by the time you hear this, it's gonna be it's gonna be open season. And you know what's cool and sort of crazy to think about? Our next podcast, we will be revealing whether or not we killed an animal on opening week. Yeah, I guess so. That is kind of crazy to think. Right, I never I really considered for that. Ten to fourteen days. Yeah. And you'll be back from the mountains. I'll yeah. be back for my early season hunt. And uh, yeah, so that next podcast is going to be an exciting one. We'll have some stories hopefully to tell. Hopefully, man. Yeah. Hopefully, I'm, I'm hoping so. But I'm not. I'm not feeling overly confident about this early season. I'm just like I've said on every podcast prior to this one. I'm just not as prepared as I have been in previous years. Um, it's been a tough year. It's been a tough year for everybody. Yeah. It's been crazy. You know, it just you know, people who are busy, busy bodies are just insane right now i found guys who run businesses locally and friends i know they say ever since this COVID hit they've been they haven't been busier and um and then some guys are doing absolutely nothing but those guys usually don't get much done as it is right so life has just been insanely busy this year and i haven't been able to do as much scouting as i would like um i got my cameras out though i've got some trail cameras out some cellular geo cams um, the cell phone cameras are nice cause I'm not wondering whether there's a deer there or not there. And, uh, you know, reality sort of sunk in, man, the two spots where I have the cameras out, it's quite slow, quite slow. Um, you know, I've got a few moose coming through, uh, a few does, fawns and the odd buck here and there, but nothing that really gets me going. The last couple of years when you're like a little crackhead looking at your phone every couple minutes. Well, even this, every even this bear season, yeah. right? Like we had the geocams going this bear season and my phone's dinging like crazy and I got a bear, bear, bear. And then he's gone for eight hours and I keep refreshing, refreshing, waiting for him. Um, But yeah, right now, man, she's been slow. It's been slow. So I don't really know what I'm going to do yet. Um, You know, we, uh, our good buddy, John, the trapper there, we wanted to do some hunting together with him. Um, He's been keeping his eye on some elk and, uh, and we might do that. So it's going to be a last minute decision for myself. It's going to be the day before the opener. I'm going to decide whether I'm going elk hunting super early, um, or, uh, sitting my butt in the tree stand. So, but you've got the exciting hunt. You get to go chase up a mountain looking for sheep for 10 days. Yeah. So by the time you hear this, I will be probably in the mountains and, uh, you know, we're leaving today's the 20, today's the 20th. We're recording this podcast. I'm leaving working tomorrow and leaving the 22nd. We're definitely going to be hiking 22nd 
If not, for sure we're hiking in on the twenty third. And uh, yeah, we're gonna be back here packing ten days worth of food and looking for some sheep. Right on. And you're taking advantage of one of the new regulation changes. I am. Yeah. <clears throat> I've said this for uh, a lot of years that, uh, you know, anybody that knows me knows that I have a 150-pound dog that's just looks like a bear and uh, acts like a bear and, you know, like loves to follow me around. I take him in the bush as much as I possibly can, but unfortunately, you know, he's not allowed to come hunting with us. That's a rule in Alberta. You can't hunt any big game with a dog. And, uh, you know, until this year, until these regulation changes, you're now legally allowed to have a pack dog in the 400 range of WMUs, which is all the mountain WMUs in Alberta. So so as long as I I believe it reads something like uh, you're allowed to be accompanied by a pack dog if the dog is used for a service or to carry equipment, food, etc., yeah, so I'm going to read it here. So what it says, the new regulation as of this year, a person may be accompanied by a dog while hunting big game in WMU 400-446. The dog must be a pack dog and or leashed or within 50 meters of the hunter and under direct command and control. The dog is prohibited from tracking, scenting, pursuing, or chasing game. Um but that's great that you guys get to bring them. Oh, it's fantastic. It's just you and your girlfriend going. Yeah, and, and the dog. So, um, you know, a dog is fantastic animal to have, especially in the mountains. Um, you know, anytime we're in the Yukon, we had a dog with us. Um, you know, everybody that hunts in the mountains, almost always they have a dog with them. Yeah. And it's just, you know, a great companion. They pack a little bit of gear. And uh, the ma- biggest thing is they keep wildlife away. Yeah. Right? They keep the, the wolves and the bears and the grizzlies. They keep them all away. You can sleep peacefully at night. You know, you can have meat hanging in camp. And you know that that, that dog's going to hear something before you do. It's going to wake up before you do. And it's also just going to deter um, bears and cougars and wolves. It's, a dog is just a natural uh, deterring scent. For sure. And you guys have had run-ins with bears before. Absolutely. And like I said, I've taken Coda uh, to the mountains before scouting. And, you know, we've come face-to-face with big black bears. Yeah. And he just stares them down, and they turn tail before they even have a chance to think about it. And, uh, you know, i got to make sure he's wearing a big fluorescent red vest and everything. Cause Every time I've seen that dog, he's had a big red vest on. Yeah. Well, we're, I'm Because he looks like a bear. He looks exactly like a bear. We had... We... My, I don't know what it is, but actually the whole town of Slave Lake, there's always bears in town. Yeah. And so my end of town, um, there was one time last year where there was like two or three sightings in one week. And I drove down my street and there's this dog that looked identical to yours. It had three legs though. Yeah. And at first glance, I thought it was a bear. Yeah. I'm like, there's a bear. I pulled my phone out and then I look closer and it's a three-legged dog just hopping down the street. Look just like your dog. Yeah, so that dog, <laughs> is this like a fucking town <laughs> dog or something? Oh, really? Yeah. Um, anyway, so that dog could be mistaken if someone wasn't paying a whole lot of attention or if there's some guys drinking in the mountains and they got guns, right? You got to be careful. So having a nice red or fluorescent thing is, yeah. that's important. Yeah, well, and I, you know, we take them, I, I just go walking in the woods with them and stuff. Yeah. He's, not, he's definitely not a leash dog. Like he's always been trained to be off leash. And so when I do walk him in town or on the trails or even on the road, when I have to have him on a leash, he's really annoying. 
being 150 pounds, he could easily pull me if he really wanted to. Um, so, you know, he's great off leash. He's always more concerned about where I'm at, where I am than any sort of smell or any distraction. He's pretty tuned in. So, I, I, you know, I do have to be careful to make sure that he is bundled up in something that's obvious, right? He, his harness is a full, almost all his whole body in red. And then, of course, when we take him to the mountains, he has this big red pack. So do you know much more about this law change and, and what really pushed for it to become? I just like to think that somebody finally did some thinking okay, and realized that, you know, guys, guys are taking dogs to the mountains anyway. Um, you know, there's loopholes where if you got somebody staying in camp, you have somebody staying in camp with the dog, the dog doesn't hunt with uh, you on I day see. trips, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 it sure. happens. Um, but you really don't, you don't really have any advantage in the mountains with a dog hunting sheep or a mountain hunting sheep or, or anything in the mountain. Elk. Like, yeah, I have a hard time. I know guys do it down South, you know, they track deer with dogs. You can hunt bears with dogs. Um, definitely cougars. Not in Alberta. You can't, you're not legally allowed to, you but, can hunt but it's, it's doable. Right. And dogs have a purpose and can be obviously employed to do those type of things. Oh man. I've talked to guys who houndsmen who have dogs. Yeah. And they're pissed that they can't hunt bears oh, with was, their dogs yeah. because they, in order to have a good dog, you want that dog chasing prey all year, all year round, round. Or as much as they can, right? So if you're a houndsman in Alberta, and if all you're doing is chasing cats for three months of the year, you know you got a lot of work to do to keep those those dogs up to snuff until uh, season opens, and, right? And how do you practice? Yeah. So what right. a lot of guys do is they'll contract out to like BC outfitters right. and stuff like that and chase bears and there. Travel, yeah. Um, but man, with how many bears there are here, I think that would be a, a great idea. Yeah, I think another good opportunity for a different type of hunt for outfitters too. Absolutely, but there needs to be just like with anything else, there needs to be some sort of regulation so that just Joe Blow can't go out with a dog and chase a bear because that's yeah it's, yeah you know it should be trained dogs a person that knows what they're doing trained with dogs knows trained with bears knows how a bear is gonna react and all that stuff. Um, yeah, you, even if you got like a special license, absolutely, right? Yeah, yeah. Like get a registered license. Or yeah, I'm a whatever. registered houndsman. Houndsman. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And and so back to uh, well, like why they maybe push this. I think it's just um, a lot of people just been advocating for it. Like, why can't we take our dogs? Why can't we take our dogs? Why can't we take our dogs? You know, there's always bear problems in the mountains, especially. Um, guys are back there for weeks on end in the real backcountry where the only thing that's going to save you is a helicopter. Um, and they're with horses and all that stuff. And a dog is just a great, it's just a great like being to have with you yeah. in that whole grand scheme of things. And so there's not really any reason I can think of why not, like why can't, why, why wouldn't you be able to have a dog in the mountains? Yeah, it makes total sense. And it, it seems like when a lot of these laws were implemented, whether it was 20 years ago or 40 years ago, they were just blank. I was just say, I, they're all, yeah, it's all the same. They're right? just like, it's right across the board. It's going to be yeah. like this. It's going to be like this over here too. Yeah. And now, you know, as time passes, people realize this doesn't make a whole lot of sense here, but you know what? Maybe out East, we got to keep this law, right? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's great to see this. That means that as hunters, we are being heard. Um, and, and specific knowledge going into certain areas. But, you know, you're really seeing that this year in the last couple of years with Jason Nixon because he's a hunter, mm-hmm. you know. And previously, they aren't always hunters. And they aren't always for hunters. 
Um, like to understand what or hunting even understand, is. right? So, um, no, that's good news, man. So, you know, is Katie gonna feel a little safer now out there with the dog? Oh, she's definitely like, I, I asked her, you know, like, are you, are you, it was sort of a last minute decision for whether she was gonna come or she wasn't. I said, well, you know what, here's another thing to think about. We can take the dog. Now, would you feel more comfortable if we had the dog? And of course, she's like, yeah, because if you're gonna stay at the tent for a couple of days, then I'm gonna meander off for. Yeah. You know, a couple of days chasing a sheep. Well, then you might as well have a dog with you. For sure. I can go and do my own thing, right? And uh, I feel better about having the dog because then I don't have to, like, I'm not going to worry about hanging my food at night. I'm not going to worry if we kill something about having, you know, I'm obviously not going to sleep under my meat, but I'm not going to worry about making that whole production of protecting it from bears and, and worrying about bears coming into my camp because I just know that my dog is going to take care of all of that. Yeah, so how's that going to work? Like, is Coda in the tent, or is he outside of the tent, or how do you guys um, do that? So, with our backpacking setup, we have a nice two-person tent that has a big, large vestibule on either side. We've got two vestibules in this two-person tent. Um, Katie being five-foot-nothing, um, Coda can sleep in the tent with us. Like, we've, we've had really bad weather where he just would not, like, lay down. Yeah, life. yeah. It's pretty rough, hail, snow shit and so yeah we just bring him in and he sleeps you know we kind of sleep on an angle and he gets a little corner to himself and he's happy because he understands okay i'm in the shelter yeah you know, one of you guys. <laughs> and he appreciates that you know he'll walk forever too and and be soaking wet and dip in the river and, and love that just the same too but if he if he can be comfortable he'll make sure he gets comfortable yeah yeah for sure um, Normally, he just sleeps in the vestibule. Like, if it's nice out, I'll leave the vestibule cracked a little bit so he can kind of sneak in and out. Yeah. Um, but he's good, too. Like, if I had to make him sleep outside, you know, I just tell him and he'll sort of find a spot away <laughs> and he'll be there when we wake up in the morning. That's awesome. So the dog's going to haul his own food? Yeah, he's going to haul all his own food. We're going for 10 days, and he's a big dog. So, so how gonna... the hell are you going to do that? Because that dog eats a lot of food, man. He does. So we switch him to kibble. Can't, okay. We raw diet, so we can't take meat. We're not gonna take any fresh meat or yeah. fresh meat into the woods with us. So um, we switch him to kibble here in this last week, um, and then we just package all his kibble into day bags. So the stuff we got is like a large breed, um, you know, partial raw kibble, and he needs about. It's recommended for his weight about five cups a day. Holy smokes, man! So it's quite a bit of food. Um, he can pack in his pack. He can pack about six bags of food. So six days of food. And that's just what his pack maxes out at. I mean, he could pack more weight if he needed to. Um, so I'll, me and Katie will each pack, you know, like a day and a half of food or whatever. And yeah. then, uh, that'll obviously be what comes out first. And then he'll be packing his six days of food. <laughs> he's got to haul his weight if he's coming. Yeah, and he hauls his own. You know, he has two dishes that fold down really nice that go into his pack. And he hauls uh, a little first aid kit for himself. And he's got uh, two one liter water bags wow and so, so this dog's he's hauled stuff before and oh he does yeah, it just he's, fine eh yeah, he's just fine, yeah. holy shit so how much weight is he hauling 10 pounds five pounds yeah no he's probably hauling well if he's hauling water that's a bit yeah he won't be hauling water until we go up okay because there's we know that we're on the creek for quite a ways so yeah there's lots of water none of us like we won't be hauling water at all um once we go up depending on what the weather's like we might be carrying water but you know there's we know there's water up there too because yeah. we're going up to an alpine lake so we know nice. that once you get up there there's, a, there's uh, lots of water so water's not a huge issue but he's probably packing 
probably packing more than 10 pounds. Um, I haven't weighed his bag just yet, but uh, it's going to be between 10 and 15 pounds. Wow. Yeah. Right on, man. So is the is the scenery going to be familiar to uh, that last sheep episode you released? Yeah, we're going we're gonna to start off in the same spot. Okay, nice. Well, that's the plan. You know, if things can always change. Yeah. Just always do. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we're going to start off in the same spot, and then we're going to push push deeper so you guys did see some round like you've seen 150 sheep on that hunt and you did see some rams but they just weren't legal am yeah, well, i correct we saw rams there was like there was ewes and lambs and very young rams yeah um but as far as a band of rams going it uh, goes like we only saw we're dylan and i are convinced and we're <laughs> more convinced the longer the more years that progress the longer the story gets told we're more convinced that we saw a band of seven or eight rams um, on the last day we hunted in the furthest valley we could see. Um, you know, it was getting foggy. There was every every variable and every excuse. It is interesting, though, how every time you tell a story, you convince yourself more and more but that that's what did, happened. Uh, I don't, we might have footage of it. I can't remember if we filmed it or not. But we did see eight, eight white sheep asses. Walk was that at the very start? That was was that the first band of sheep that you no, seen? It would have been... Did you get that on film? Well, the first sheep. Because I remember film, like it was it was spot. foggy and raining, and you zoomed in, and I seen those. So, the, the, that was that was the, the that was the 24th. That was the morning, I yeah. think it was. And it was like we had just come out of the tree line, and uh, we we're walking and. I was bitching about the rain or something because we got just our asses kicked that whole day. Actually, it would have been early afternoon. And uh, I was, I don't know, I was complaining to Katie or something, blah, 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 and Dylan's behind us. Was that hunting or was that scouting? That, that was hunting. hunting. That was hunting. Fourth, so we couldn't shoot. Oh, okay, yeah. We were going to make base camp. And uh, Dylan, like, yelled at me. He was like, hey, get down. And we all just hit the dirt and looked up. And there's sheep literally 80 yards from us. Just no way. This just got really fun. Like, yeah. Like, the worst possible feeling to just like, okay, we're sheep hunting. Now. Yeah. Like, we just walked through snow and rain and sleet and we're all soaking wet. That must have been an incredible we feeling. But then, you know, we watched that band of, I think there was a band, there was a group of 28 ewes and then there was another group of about 32. Holy so we watched smokes. them just circle the mountain range for like four days. And then uh, the one day we we pushed really hard and we went up and over and up and over and up and over, and we got to basically a spot where we decided if we go any further we're not going to bring it back in daylight. And we were glassing and glassing and glassing and looking through you know as far as we possibly could, and we saw another group of eight, and all we could see was the bodies and the asses, and we just watched them like walk a circle and turn a corner and that was it. Wow. Those are probably the rounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so that would have been. What a kilometer away! Oh, it was yeah, more than a mile or two. It was a uh, it was a long way. We were real up on high on top of a of a big shale peak, and we were looking down and around into like three valleys over. And uh, yeah, we we just caught this group of sheep, and just as we just as we sort of made them out what they were, they just moved away and didn't have a chance to get spotted scope on them. Yeah, I just paused it. Oh, there you go. 
Okay, so we're back from a camera fuck up. <laughs> yeah, so that would have been something else. Um, what kind of weather are you expecting going in? Are you expecting rain, some snow? Is it going to be nice? Uh, have you looked yet? I'm not going to look. I never do. Until, yeah. You know, we're basically there. Uh, we expect rain. I expect 30-degree weather. And I also expect snow because that's what we got yeah. last time we went. So um, I think the night of the 25th, the night of opening day two years ago, we got like two inches of snow. Yeah, I remember um, that. Broke the tent pole. Oh no. Broke the roof pole in my tent because it was just wet and sticky and it just all, it didn't roll off like it was supposed to. It yeah. Hung up. And we're actually socked in because we couldn't see 100 yards away, so no point pushing stuff around. We're laying there and we're kind of having a distant conversation back and forth. And, you know, me and Katie are in our tent and Dylan's, you know, 10 feet away in his tent. We're sort of talking. And then all of a sudden, just crash and the whole tent sort of folds in and caves in and the snow all rolls off. Had a little moment of panic, and then we, you know, we quickly realized that the tent just broke. And so I Cause that's heavy, wet, sticky heavy snow. Wet snow. Yeah. yeah. Like a mixture of rain and snow. And yeah. Stuck and, yeah. Wow. And luckily we were there because you know shit could have been wet if we were elsewhere. Yeah, no bad. doubt. Um, but yeah, no, I just fixed it, and the tent's still going strong with the patch I put on it. So. Yeah. So what do you do, and in, in when you have limited time and you're socked in, like, do um, you? You wait it out. Just wait, yeah. Yeah, there's no point trudging around. and It'd be like walking through the bush clapping your hands. It's, you can't see, right? There's no point walking around and the sheep see you and you don't see That's it. true. And you just don't, you aren't checking the weather just so you don't psych yourself out. It just doesn't matter. Yeah. It just doesn't matter. Well, that's how I feel about the first few days here, right? Like, I'm only taking the first two or three days. And so, you know, it really doesn't matter. Because those are the days I'm going. So yeah, whether just, it's raining or what, I'll just have to adapt and make the most of my time, right? And if you have the choice of, you know, I can hunt this day or I can hunt this day, but I can't hunt both. Okay, well, maybe pick your best day. Yeah. Um, definitely don't look 10 days and then make your decision because the day before it's going to change at least three times. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to a 10-day trip in the mountains, I mean, I take 10 days so that I, if I do have four days of bad weather, I've still got a couple more. Yeah, for sure. Um, so a legal ram, what's the average age of like a legal bighorn? Um, I don't have a ton of experience with bighorns, but the ones that we've seen, this one we got in the shop, did you, did you have a look at it? I don't remember now. I didn't look at it. I think it was eight and a half. Maybe nine and so a half. you could get like a five-year-old <coughs> full girl the thing with or at least a legal ram. Cause what do they got to be in Alberta? Three quarter? They got to be like three quarter. Yeah. So it's like seven eighths of a curl. Oh, okay. So it's it almost a full curl. I see. I know in the Yukon, you know, they're aiming for between, you know, seven's a pretty young ram, but if he's a smoker, guys will knock him down. Wow. Um, but you're looking for, you know, nine, ten, eleven, and older if you yeah. can find them. Wow. Um, here, you know, we've talked to a few guys where they're saying that the way that Alberta's set up, and I can't, I can't attest to this because I just don't know. But the way that the Alberta regulations are set up, we're actually genetically basically weeding out and we're, we're ending up with a tighter curl younger ram because of the way that we harvest our sheep. And uh, That's and, just the and way. We can see it because we see like sheep come out of the same area and it's like, oh, that's a, 
that's a blank sheep that's so tight, right? Yeah, well, we've got a life-size sheep here that we just finished last week, and it's a Wilmore ram, and it's tight. And I've had multiple guys come in here, and they're like, that's a Wilmore ram. I'm like, yeah, it sure is. They're like, yeah, it's super tight. Like, the rams are, are tight there. And, and yeah, so what they're saying is it's a higher pressure area. And so you're killing all these rams that are, are just legal, basically, right? So genetically, their antlers or their horns aren't even getting to that size where they're growing very tight, right, and smaller. Yeah, you're just weeding out the ones that meet that, that seven-eighths requirement. Yeah. And then, you know, that's what... It's almost like culling a fucking dink deer, right? Yeah. Interesting. Well, you've got an exciting next couple of weeks yeah. ahead of you, man. You know, and, and sheep, sheep, uh, sheep are interesting because they'll get broomed off, and, and you know, a, an old, a thirteen-year-old sheep might not be legal in Alberta. Yeah. Because there's no age and curl requirement. But just one just horn has to be that has to be That's that right, full but curl. If that sheep's old. He's gonna be digging. He's gonna be fighting. He's gonna be busting rocks. He's gonna break those lamb tips off. Yeah. And he's going to be broomed off. And he might be broomed off half an inch from his eyeball. That's crazy, eh? And, and he could be the oldest sheep on the mountain and uh, not be legal. Wow. And see, uh, I know within the, in the Yukon, at least the area I was in last, they could be a certain age or a certain amount of curl. Yeah. So if you can count the rings and prove that it's that age before you shoot it, then, of course, when you look at it on the ground, it's that age, you're good to go. Yeah. Or if it passes that line, you could shoot you know, a four-year-old with monstrosity genetics. That's why it's so important to have good optics oh, and good quality up. spotting scope. Yeah, you have to have optics. What do you, what do you run for a spotting scope? So I have the big, uh, the big Vortex spotting scope. I think it's the Razor HD. I don't know if it's 80 millimeters or 60. Yeah. I can't remember what it is now. I you know. like it? I, I like it. Um, you know, it's not, I've looked at some pretty, very expensive ones yeah i worked with other people that were just you know night and day compared to this one but you know this is good consumer range one it's what i could afford to, to do what i needed to do and i like it it nice. you know, works good for me and then uh, i run i think they're 15 by 50 something maven binoculars yeah so they're really nice yeah for sure that big in the mountains so they're nice and light nice right on man yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun. that'll be a lot of fun Cool, cool. So, yeah, they made a few uh, regulation changes this year, eh? We can, uh, we can now hunt Sandhill Crane in a few different zones. Have you ever seen any of them around? I do, actually. I've seen – there's a pair of them I see a lot uh, driving back and forth one of the highways here. Right? I see them north of town. You see them north of town? I've seen them north of town. Um, Actually, right around where our bear baits are, there's been times where I've turned into oil lease sites, and then the cranes will get up and I've fly away. Yeah. I've seen them, you know, just south of here and along the river, we see them. Yeah, and where I um, where I elk hunt, I've seen fields just full of them, 100 in a field, 50 in a field. Well, when I guided up north, we used to have, like, huge flocks of them. Yeah. Over, but we never see them land, but, you, you know, sandhill cranes are so high up there, you can tell. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, they say they're the ribeye of the sky. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to maybe try and get on that, man. I think that'd be a lot of fun. It's always just neat to hunt different critters that you haven't hunted before. Once. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you will too. What have what what have you eaten? Oh, what eaten let's what, what name all the animal species you've eaten? Uh, okay. Well, this is 
We're expecting that one today. Elk, deer, bear, moose. All your typical stuff. All your typical stuff. Squirrel. And we got into the like coyote and wolf. How was that? Not good. Uh, I didn't cook it very good, though. Oh, you didn't? We sh- I blew, blew one in half with 30 out 6 one day when I was deer hunting, and uh, I actually still have the hide at, at home. But, you know. It's got a. Basically a Halloween mask. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we just uh, started a fire in the bush and cooked the leg, hind quarter, right on the bone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. You it know. It wasn't that great. It would fill your belly if you're starving. Okay. Stringy and yeah, you know, just didn't taste like a little tough. Something you wanted. Um, I guess the key with dogs is dog meat is to boil it first. Oh, is that what they say? Yeah, that's what they say. So if I ever have to do it again, maybe I'll try it that way. Interesting. Um, I've eaten muskrat. How was that? It was pretty good. It wasn't yeah. bad. Um, I so it's one of the only animals I've soaked in milk. Okay, so you actually like made. A recipe with it. Or well, I just had to Google make sure I wasn't going to die before I ate yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the first thing that popped up is like, it tastes really gamey, so soak it in something. Red wine, milk, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So I just soaked it in some milk and fried it up, and I don't think I could even tell what it was. It really, just tasted yeah. like, it was just meat. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. I've eaten alligator when I went on holidays down south. Um, that tastes like chicken. That's one hunt I'd like to do, go down south on an alligator hunt. Yeah, I'd like to do a real alligator hunt. Yeah. I've eaten uh, bear nuts. Really, eh? And moose nuts and sheep nuts. And that's just frying them. Just frying them. Bush oysters. And butter and yeah. some salt and pepper. Yeah. First, well, the first testicles I ever ate were doll sheep. <laughs> really? Yeah. And I didn't believe it was a <laughs> and thing. they are big. They are huge. They're <laughs> the, almost the size of a, a tennis ball each. Yeah. Really, eh? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, we, you know, we climbed off the mountain with a sheep, and the guy had looked at me, and he said, uh, yeah, we're having those sheep nuts I told you to put in your pack. And I thought, you know, whatever. I thought it was sort of a joke yeah. at first. And like, okay, well, I'll eat, I'll eat anything <laughs> once. And sure enough, it was good. And then we were in bear camp a couple, you know, that became a tradition. And it is for a lot of guys up there. Um, then we were in bear camp a couple years ago, and I tried to talk my outfitter into trying bear nuts yeah and he wouldn't and uh he said i'll you know, i'll watch you do it and i was like well i i brought him home i'll cook him up and yeah. try him and so i tried him and then, you know just tastes like meat they taste like the sheep nuts yeah i guess it's pretty close tastes like nuts interesting yeah. tastes like you know fry them up in some butter and some spices and yeah 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 i uh i like the idea of being adventurous with meat but when it comes down to it i really haven't been that adventurous it's I haven't uh tried a bunch of different stuff well my word of advice with nuts is just don't think about it too much <laughs> like when you're cooking it up just don't yeah you know it's you know it's just just don't think about it too much like the idea of being on the side of a mountain and killing something and then just eating whatever off of it whether yeah. it's fucking sheep nuts or or backstrap Backstraps. one or the other yeah. is just super appealing well that's pretty much a tradition of mine if yeah. uh you know we kill anything it's like well let's take a tenderloin even if we had supper hours before it's yeah. like well let's take a tenderloin and yeah and see i haven't a done slices. a whole lot of the the camping hunting where you're actually out back country um 
so the opportunity hasn't really been there or it hasn't been a priority mm-hmm. like i'll have something dead and then it's okay let's get this get home, out. Yeah. let's get out of here right and so um and you know there's been a few like the only like we did the hog hunt and we killed that and we ate some of that um but yeah there really hasn't been a whole lot of opportunity right like the last few um where you're actually camping out in the bush last elk season we didn't get an elk so um yeah we'll see maybe things will change this year when we're out down south hunting muleys yeah yeah cook up some some muley under the yeah meal nuts there we go (laughs) (laughs) so and there's a yeah i wanted to go over some of these regulations because they changed a lot this year and uh and a big one last year actually was that applicants must purchase a wildlife certificate prior to applying for any special license draw. Um, now, that seems A-okay with me and makes total sense. I don't know why you waited this long to do it. Um, so the wildlife certificate is just your, if you were to say, I need to go buy my, my general hunting license. Yeah. That's your hunting license. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the wildlife certificate allows you to buy a license. Yeah, it's like you're, it's you're paying into... Buy your wildlife certificate, and then you can buy bird license, you can buy your deer license, yeah. you can buy whatever, but you have to have wildlife. Yeah, so that makes total sense to me. I did see a bunch of people or a few people online sort of bitching and complaining about that. And their theory is my wife, she doesn't usually hunt, but she likes to put in for a cavalk tag, and every couple of years she gets it. So now we got to spend, what is it, 25 bucks or something? $28. $28 on this, and it's just a cash grab. That's exactly Yeah. Okay. That's the exact reason why I think that's the reason why they they implemented that. Yeah, and that if if your wife draws a tag and she doesn't buy a wildlife certificate, well, if you guys weren't planning on having a tag, now you have a tag that somebody else could have had. Exactly. It's gonna use it. Yeah. So if you have it and you're just, oh well, we can't hunt this year. Let's just throw that away. Well, that's one elk or moose or whatever that's taken out of the pile. Out of the you know the algorithm yeah. figuring out all this, all of our license numbers and everything, yeah, taken right out because you weren't planning on hunting. Yeah, no, and you know that's more money to to our cause, right? Yeah, and if you're a hunter and you're buying a license, why are you bitching about? Well, I seen why are you some. About putting into I seen some pretty big name hunters and in the industry too who were complaining about this because they have American friends. Who they in order for an American or a non-resident to put in for a draw, you have to put in for a draw as a group. Yeah. So Tommy in Saskatchewan couldn't just put in for a moose draw; he'd have to go in as a group with me or you. So that would mean that that non-resident is going to have to buy a wildlife certificate every year. And what they're saying is, a lot of these guys they'll put in for draws in every province. And if one province starts implementing it, another one will. And then it's going to cost this guy $400 a year to put in for all these different draws when he's only going to draw one tag a year. You know but that's the price you, you pay. Know what I say? You want to hunt here? Yeah. Pay for the conservation. I agree, man. We give. Pay for the conservation. Yeah. To non residents, Alberta gives more than almost every other province. Right? You can come. All you got to do is find an Alberta resident as a friend, tell them to hunt or host you, and you can go over the counter, buy an elk tag buy a deer tag buy a bear tag archery moose waterfowl right there's a whole pile actually archery moose i don't think you can i don't i gotta look into that um but there's a lot of opportunity 
I cannot go to Saskatchewan and hunt diddly squat. No, well, I've been putting in for the whitetail draw for four years, and I haven't got it. Yeah, so I can't even I can't even go over the counter and get a tag. Um, so you know we give a lot to non-residents. So you know what? Um, if one of them wants to put in for a draw, I think hey, pay up twenty eight dollars. That's that. You got to build you know your priority. So if you, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I'm all for that, man. I think that's, I think that's a good move. And if it's going to t- deter some of the anti hunters from stealing tags, so do you know any hunters that do that? I, do know hunters. <laughs> I was just going to say, and I don't agree with you don't agree with that, with the, the, the non-trophy sheep and the calf moose. Well, that's the big one. I I don't understand. I would like to have someone on here who knows what the reason is for a calf moose draw. Yeah, I I could I, see actually I could see the reason for it if you have way too many moose, way too many moose. Moose are just destroying shit in a certain area. I don't know where. But I don't know where that is, and I want to know where that is because I want to go kill a fucking moose. <laughs> yeah. So one zone that I do hunt quite often um, that has always had a calf tag is where my property is. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. And, you know, my grandpa draws it every couple of years. And him and, his, him and his old pal, they just go and cruise around. And, you know, he's taken one quite a few times. Yeah. And uh, I never, I just, I don't really understand the calf moose thing either. Like, I've never applied for it. I've never attempted to. I've never really thought about it. It's sort of a weird one. I don't understand it. I do not understand anywhere. it. You can't draw a cow tag anywhere that I know of. Um, you, I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. So why, why a calf tag? Okay, sorry. What did you say about a cow? Sorry. You can't shoot a cow moose in Alberta. Can you? Yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah, you can there get it. Some zones are almost cow. every zone. I think. Moose. I'm sure. I'm positive, man. I'm almost. Like in a draw. In a draw. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, I know that the zone I hunt has a cow moose. Um, I'm, but yeah, I don't understand the calf thing. The one thing I was told, and this is, the one thing was, is that something like sixty percent of calves survive the winter. Like, a, a, not a great percentage. So, it's gonna die anyways to a wolf. So let's give out so many tags to hunters. But that, that doesn't make any sense to me because you take out a... You might a, be taking out the one strong well, you one. you take that, out a calf right before winter and then the... Right. So, I don't know. I would like to know. Like, if anyone actually knows the reasoning for it, I can't bring it up. But check that cow one, man. I'm, I've never put in for a cow tag, but I'm almost certain. Somebody told me a couple years ago that there's no... No, 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 no. No, no, you can. You definitely can. Check, uh, check five... 24 520 523 350 511 they're all cow um but yeah i don't understand that the whole calf thing but with that being said i do not agree with drawing a tag just to hold on to the tag because i feel that the biologists the people who count these animals the people who study these animals should have a greater knowledge than us average joes because that's their profession um however 
we know that's not always the case, but I've put a lot of faith in biologists. So they say, hey, we need to remove five calves from this zone. If you want to go put a calf in your deep freeze, draw that tag. Um, but I, you know, I know plenty of guys who've drawn that non-trophy sheep tag just to hold on to it. So there's one less sheep killed on the mountain. But then you have situations like you, where you were out last time, you seen a hundred non-trophy sheep. So taking 10 or 15 out of there might be beneficial to reproducing more sheep. I don't know. I'm not seeing any antler listings. Really? Three fifty, and then certain zones like five twenty two, five twenty three, it's a calf draw. There's no cow. No cow. Really? No cow. So that shows how much, how many times I've tried to put in for a cow tag because I just <laughs> overlook that, and it's. Uh, there could be a few zones, but those ones, all the ones, the ones that we were talking about hunting, definitely not. At least where I looked. Yeah, so I do my draws on everyone. Well, most people do their draws online. And so you click the species, antlered moose, yeah. and I click priority. Yeah. And then so I don't have the option for cow or calf. So I've never clicked on cow, but I just assumed that uh, there was a cow elk draw or cow moose draw for the zones we hunt. No, as far as I know, it's either antlered or calf. Interesting. Yeah. Um, that's why I don't really understand the calf thing because it almost makes a little more sense now. It makes a little more sense because you're still protecting the cow population, which is what you want. Cows are more resilient to wolves. They're going to last through deeper snow, longer winters, all that stuff. Um, especially a cow that doesn't have a calf because she's not supplying any extra. She's not feeding two people, right? She's yeah. Only, she's only feeding one moose. She's just taking care of herself. Um, she doesn't have to defend her calf or anything like that. So she's able to just move away from predators and sort of take care of herself. But the thing is, in you know, you might kill a calf, but in two years, that could be a cow. Or in a year, another year and a half, that's going to be a cow. Yeah. Because there's no species specific with a calf. You just have to kill something that's, I don't even know what the legal requirement is. I think it's smaller than, it has to be like a year and a half old or something. Have to, look in the to be a calf to or to be a, a yeah interesting very interesting mm. huh now, cow elk you can hunt cow elk pretty much anywhere and that's one that's sort of so so there's a general bull elk in a lot of zones three point and up pretty much everywhere up north uh north west of athabasca basically is all um, but general then your bull. cow elk is on draw, yeah. and so what they're basically doing is putting more value on the cow elk, even though when there's a herd, you'll see 90 cows and four bulls. Yeah. But those cows are crucial to reproducing that population. And I also consider, like, maybe it's just because you're... And so a bull will breed with several cows like a, a bull could breed with a quarter of his herd yeah whatever whoever's viable yeah and if there's no other bulls around he'll just keep pumping because early on i wondered like why the hell is there a general bull elk when i all i see is cows that's all i'm seeing but that is almost a success story because what that's telling you is these there's tons of cows and you're seeing lots 
because they're reproducing and because, um, you know, that's success, basically. Um, but okay, interesting. And there's no calf elk, though. I don't think so. No. No. Interesting. But if you drew a cow tag, you could sh- I'm sure you could shoot a calf. Um, yeah. If you'd have a cow tag. Like, you wouldn't shoot a... Uh, uh, 80, 100 pound, no, but you could shoot at 150 pound, 200 pound, yeah. Interesting. Again, I've never put in for a cow, I just don't. Actually, there was that one zone. Yeah, yeah, there was, there's, I think it's, oh, geez, I don't even want to say, that's what I was going to say. I think it's 212, where you're, you get those tags, and then you also get your bull elk tag. Sort of like how Camp Wainwright, and, and I got drawn for Camp Wainwright this year, um, a December hunt. Um, you get two tags, either sex, so buck or doe, to, and either species. Yeah, that's an interesting one to me. Yeah. So. Um, and they're totally on their own. They don't affect your general no, so or your I mule deer or anything. I do my general archery mule deer and my general whitetail and... You know, if a guy filled every tag, I get your whitetail general. You could kill seven deer. Two whitetail supplements. Or six deer. Archery mule deer. Camp oh, Wainwright God. one. Camp Wainwright two. So that's six. And you can kill mule deer does in some of them. And mule deer does. So you could. If, if a guy just loved hunting deer, man, you could. And, and if, if you... So what that's telling is you could actually, without even a draw license, you could hunt five deer a year in Alberta. Yeah. Wonder if anyone's done it. Oh, Anyone listening? Like, have you? Yeah. <laughs> I always buy every tag that I can. And, you know, yeah. For one, but, yeah. Well, early on, like I always bought the supplemental tag, and early on, I I would try and shoot a doe if I seen one because I just opportunistic right like just love killing shit and having meat in the freezer right and I wasn't killing moose or elk or anything else at this time but I made a mistake like the first two years I killed spikers that were too large (laughs) too large to be a doe right and then so ever since that happened that was like five or six years ago or geez, probably seven years ago now because I've been here for eight or... Yeah, and anyways, ever since that happened, I'm like, man, that is it. I am not killing a doe until that buck tag is filled <laughs> or yeah. even worrying about a doe. Well, and so what is it? It's like four inches? I don't know. Or something. something, yeah. And uh, I did... I shot a, I've shot a couple button bucks on purpose. Okay. Like, close range at like 60 yards. Yeah. Rifle. And it's just like, oh, well, he's not going to... He's not four inches. Boom, put a supplemental on him. You know, they're sometimes they got a little bit bigger body, a little bit stockier. Well, the thing with up here, man, is, and also the reason why I'm looking forward to a mule deer hunt down south is because up here you can't see eighty, like eighty yards ahead of you. You you can usually see thirty, forty yards ahead of you at most because it's just bush. So when you see a deer, you see him in the bush, and uh, sometimes it's tough to see those little spikes. So yeah, I uh, I held off on that, but you know I think uh, the one year I got my general whitetail, I got my my mule deer, and then I got one supplemental. So it was three deer, um, and I think that was the last year that I filled a supplemental. I always buy it, but I just uh, you know I pretty much not super shoot, priority. Uh, at least one supplemental. I try and kill at least two deer a year, no matter what. Yeah. 
So, uh, you know, I'll save my buck tag. I have my buck tag basically from opening day till the last day of November, closing season. If yeah. I don't, you know, and maybe on that last day, that last afternoon, um, I'll shoot a doe if I need the meat. But I've also killed two bucks on the last day of season, too. Yeah. That have been, you know, decent bucks. So it's really hard for me with that whitetail because, you know, I'm not a crazy whitetail guy. I don't go and do a bunch of cameras and, you know, sit in stands for hours and hours and hours. I just feel like I spend enough time in the bush. If I have a whitetail tag in my pocket, eventually a respectable buck is going to, you know, give himself to me. Um, so, but, you know, I do take a doe or two um, throughout the year, depending, you know, if I got somebody with me that I really want to just want to, you know, harvest with them there, I'll take a doe. Or if I really need some meat in the freezer, I'll take a doe right away. It is, man. And you know what? There is, uh, there's a lot of deer. Like I, I don't feel, I don't feel totally great about the whole calf moose thing. Um, but I don't have an issue with, with killing a button buck in areas like these where there are a lot of deer or does. I I don't have any problem shooting a doe in this area or two does in this area. Um, just because there's so many deer. There's yeah. just so many deer. Well, when we so many populations that don't see anybody. Man, when we had our shop out of town here, a half hour away, almost every second day we would see one or two different animals down on the road. So we would easily see 300 animals a year killed just on that 50 kilometer stretch. Dead on the highway. Dead, dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. dead. Yeah, you, you can see a two dozen deer. Some someday you'd see three dead deer, four dead deer. You might not see one for a couple of days, but you almost always see something new dead on the highway every couple of days. And then how many live ones do you see? Dozens. Oh, Dozens. all over the place, yeah. yeah. But then when it comes to killing them, they're all standing on the highway. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh man, I want to kill a velvet whitetail so freaking bad, so bad. But things just aren't looking aren't looking too optimistic. And uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see here. It's going to be a last-minute decision. I think you just got to uh, try and focus in on a goal, whether you want to kill an elk or you want that velvet. You want that velvet, you go I, that You know what? I love walking around and hunting like you do, just like you hunt. And like you said, you don't like sitting in a stand. You And I know I you can. I every year and I've never sat. Yeah. And... Um, I, and I and I hate sitting in a stand, yeah. but reality is, if you want to kill a whitetail up here, you with a bow, you almost got to be in a stand, almost. Yeah. With a bow, if I had a rifle, like I if I stomped around the bush with a rifle, and I could poke something at a hundred yards through a little trail or something, you got a good chance. But if you got a bow, that's that's tough. That is tough. So. Um, so yeah, I don't know. We'll just wait and see. It'll be a last minute decision. I'll post on Instagram so everyone can see it when I kill a big buck or a or, or a big elk. I get out of the mountains and I look on my Instagram and he's got a fucking dead <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was that was a nice treat. Um, so are you bringing the bow or are you just bringing the rifle? Have you decided yet? I think I'm just gonna bring the rifle. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've narrowed it down. To it's go time, man. Uh, just getting the know, sheet. There's no stopping. You come right out of the mountains, go right back in elk. Yeah. 
Um, I have lots of time with the bow, and you know, I just, I, I'm just not, not 100% with it in the mountains. Um, you know, it's a great bow, it's made to pack, I had a full intention of taking it to the mountains with me this year. Um, but you know what, let's just, let's just knock one down first. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, you know what? And this year, the black bear season has been extended to November 30th. So we can hunt black bears with the bow in November. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah that's I don't know how many black bears is going to be running around in November, but so was the zone November before it was, it was. and it was then they switched it to October, yep. end of October. And now they switched it back to November 30th. Interesting. Um, cause yeah, you killed one late several years ago that came into camp. I don't remember if it was in November. It was definitely blizzarding. But it could be blizzarding October, late October too. Absolutely. So I don't remember if it was in November or not. I do know that I've looked and had the intention of shooting a bear if I saw one in November, but up here, you've seen bears in November. I've seen them. Um, but it's so cold up here now in like, or not now it's just up here. It's so cold in November and there's usually already a foot of snow. You're just chances are you're not gonna see one. I don't think I've ever seen a bear in November. I've seen, now that I think uh, of it, I think like October I've seen them, but I don't think I've ever seen one in November. Well, last year, I think it was like November twelfth. I saw that grizzly bear. Oh it yeah. It was late, but grizzlies like grizzlies aren't really winter. Like they're not really going into hibernation yeah. until it's really winter. Um, yeah, I, unless you're crazy about black bears, come November, man, put it away. I'm crazy about black bears. You are, but, but you got deer to hunt in November. Yeah, there's, uh, um, November just isn't a bear hunting it's time. It's more of yet. an opportunistic thing. You know, I'll get to yeah. In my pocket, one in yeah, I was thinking of running a bait in September with some beaver and stuff I had around here, but uh, I'm not going to do it. I got a great bear down, and, you know, if I see a nice one, then I will take it. But um, another rule change for bears. Um, it's not really a real change actually, because it just came into effect with a new extended season. Um, that's the use of bait for the purpose of hunting black bears during the month of November is limited to meat and meat products. So you can't use grain, can't use popcorn, can't use bread. You can only use meat products if you're baiting in the month of November. Makes total sense to me. Total sense to me too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and shooting the what? <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, and um, what else do we got here for new regulations? A uh, resident who did not receive a special license authorization through the draw process are now eligible to obtain a special license hunting opportunity through the Alberta Professional Outfitter Society. This opportunity is in response to the financial hardship currently experienced by lack of international travel due to current restrictions. Um, how do you feel about this one? You've got allocations here in Alberta. Are you going to take out Alberta residents or are you just going to hold off? Um, I would. Um, I'm sort of on the fence about the whole thing. And it, it really comes down to, um, you know, whether it's risk versus reward, basically. year when he draws a tag um, and 
the other thing is just there's a lot of residents. I would say most residents just don't want to pay the kind of money that an outfitter needs to receive to be able to put forward a hunt for you, right? Yeah. So for you know for an Alberta resident who's going to draw the tag for three dollars and ninety five cents to buy his twenty eight dollar um, license and then his another fifty dollar tag for said animal, say a moose. You know, you're spending less than seventy dollars compared to, you know, a couple grand to go to somebody to take you out, do the same thing. Yeah, and so this is just a temporary change. It doesn't say it here, but it's pending two years. It's pending two years. Given it a two-year window, and then they'll have to. It'll this. It'll end, and then they'll either have to revisit it, bring it back, or just cut it off. And so you are you for it or against it? Are you unsure at this point? Oh, I'm for it, guys. The guys need. But like permanently. I'm not in this permanently. No. It doesn't happen. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Um, you know, there's a huge argument. I see it online all the time. I've never actually talked to anybody in person about this. But I guess there's a lot of people that are pissed off that outfitters do get allocations that residents can access. And it's like, well, how come you get to take a portion out of the draw system for you to sell to people? Well, that's the whole thing about having a hunting tourism industry. Yeah province is a little bit different than our neighboring provinces and the territories you know in the territories you go up and one outfitter owns one area that's you know it's not a line and it's just like your hunting zones there's a boundary and you're only allowed to hunt in that area but you're the only outfitter in that area yeah we're up here you could have 30 barrel locations you could have 30 different outfitters that's right right. you could have you know you're always i i've met more outfitters in the bush hunting Hey, you're guiding? Yeah, I'm guiding too. And that's how I've met most of the guys that I know in the industry. Yeah. By running into them. Wow. And uh, it's just, you know, you just hope guys are doing everything legal. And, you know, you're looking for one animal I don't have a tag for. I saw one back there. Maybe you'll return the favor and point me in the right direction to something else. Um, but, yeah, as far as the permanent thing goes, you got to keep it in the industry because – there's potential for people to use loopholes and really screw this whole system up by, you know, say, I own a bunch of tags that I don't really need the income from. Well, I'll just give you a tag every year. Let's yeah, just go hunt every year. Let's just go hunt every year. Fuck around with this if this did last a longer than two yeah. years with loopholes. And then you have rich guys just fucking. Turning into outfitters. Turning into outfitters for their three friends or their one friend or just two guys buying all the allocations for. You know, one or two zones. And, and, and guys already do that with the way that the system's set up now. Yeah. I know a lot of guys. Well, I shouldn't say a lot. I know of a few guys personally that own tags just to own them because they live here. They're illegally allowed to own them. And then somebody from down in the States comes up and facilitates a hunt every year for them. And this guy just owns it so that he has a name that owns it. I so see. here's... West Virginia, that you own them, but they're in my name so that we can legally keep them. And so every year you bring three buddies up and you do your own thing, and I live on a farmhouse in this zone. Interesting. And it's not like that everywhere. Most guys obviously use it for the industry and, uh, you know, do whatever you got to do. People do their own thing. But for me, to keep the economy of the hunting tourism thing alive, 
you just can't have guys turning in outfitters, buying up the allocations because they have the money for them, and then just handing them to their buddies. Yeah. For whatever reason, and not not turning it into a profit, not putting money into local businesses, into municipalities that they're hunting into or hunting around, and you know everything else that goes with it. Yeah, no, you want the outfitting industry to be a healthy source of revenue for conservation and your government because if you aren't getting tax dollars from that or if you aren't getting much tax dollars from that it doesn't have value and if hunting doesn't have value it means nothing for for any species of animal to survive in this day of age it has to have value right and um and so that's a slippery slope I'm surprised they even did two years. That that bothers me because what that tells me is this all this fucking bullshit COVID stuff is going to be going on for another year. Well, I think the wording is for up to two years. Okay, so so it's not. Oh, okay. Um, But it's so that doesn't make sense about the up to. Well, because so if everything's if the border. Why don't they just say on a yearly basis? Like we'll we'll reassess in January. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so it's not. It's not for two years. No, I don't think so. Okay. It's for up to two years. Interesting. And so hopefully, you know, they could easily turn around and be like, oh, yeah, this is the way it's going to be now. But you hope, I hope at least it's going to be another way. And so I say this without any sort of arrogance or anything. I don't look down on anybody. But the other thing with the outfitting industry is it's a real, at least for a lot of outfitters, and I hope more, I just hope more, most of the outfitters in our province, it's a real professional yeah. hunting. Like, it's real professional hunting. It's not it's not a bunch of guys going out, drinking a bunch of beer at night, and, you know, going and just shooting guns everywhere. And I know a lot of guys do it right, and we try and do it right when we're hunting for ourselves and everything. But to have a real camp, and, you know, you're doing it just on a professional level, with guys that are truly... Sh- truly deserve the name of professional hunter, professional hunting guide. Yeah. Guys that really put their whole life into being a guide. And you know what? This isn't a a state or a province where you're hunting giant or huge or large hunting ranches. This is all wild public land for the most part. Yeah, there's zero hunting ranches in in Alberta for natural animals. Yeah, so... um, and so we want to keep it that way, right? Because if we have people buying allocations, you're going to have people buying giant lots of land, and uh, then that's his land with his animals, right? And so that's what you see down in, in Texas and Africa. There's, and that's. There's and, some of it here too with, with big farmers that own allocations. Yeah, so. And yeah, so that's... there's a little bit of it, and that's just the system. You're going to get guys that play the system a little bit. Um, but I think it's just it's so important preserve the hunting tourism i couldn't agree more and you know to to do justice to the professional hunting the professional hunters the guys that really do this stuff for a living yeah and uh, you know that's not to knock anybody that's what i would call a weekender that goes out a couple weekends a year like my dad or guys that live and breathe hunting like we do in our personal lives and that hunt every weekend we can but there's still a whole nother step of like you're actually living out there for months on end. You're taking guys. Your job is to hunt from dark to dark every single day for weeks on end. Yeah, and you aren't hunting an inventoried animal like no, a lot yeah, of places. Like this right. is you're this is the real game. deal. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, no. Well, yeah, you know, it's successful every time. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, Alberta is is known for quality hunting and and it's all about that reputation right and i think um that things could get very slippery if they do extend this so i think uh what they've done is fine for now but yeah like you said you don't want to see this last much longer i don't think yeah i don't yeah. think you want to see it last the sooner they can put it back to normal um the better and so do you have any idea what other provinces have done like saskatchewan I or bc never looked into anything. Um, okay i know I know there was a lot of provinces that uh, were sort of leaving, that were hanging in the outfitting industry. Um, I've heard rumors. I don't know. I don't have any facts or any real information, but I know that other provinces are sort of not doing anything. Everything's just kind of up in the air for yeah. the outfitters. It's just like, yeah, too bad. Guys can't come into camp. Um, yeah, you're not taking residents. Um, they were not changing anything. It's just the way the dice rolled this year. And it's tough right now too because what have they extended the the border closure till when? September twenty first now. September twenty first. So you, for example, That's a whole month of the first season. You've got allocations for sold, well, partially sold for the November hunt, November moose hunt. So you aren't gonna sell those to a resident right now because those guys might still be able to They're come still up. Their tags. So you're sort of stuck, yeah. right? You're stuck. And I was talking to an American today on the phone actually who we're doing some work for and he said I was supposed to come up this year for a moose hunt talk to the outfitter and he said it's almost a hundred percent no-go like it's not happening um, but he said but I'm still sort of hoping I can somehow get up there or the borders gonna open last minute and I can come and do this hunt so that's leaving that outfitter to sort of because he, he can't really sell a tag that's this guy's right so exactly no you can't yeah but if the borders close till december well then you'll probably have that guy up next year and you can sell that tag to somebody to a guy from manitoba or bc or alberta or whatever less and less time you less and less time that's it yeah unreal man unreal i think everything's um you know slippery slope is the definition this year yeah Yeah, who knows? <laughs> who knows? So were there any other regulation changes that you noticed that sort of caught your interest? Um, the winter cougar season, dogs permitted, has been extended until March 31st. Hopefully we can go on a cat hunt this year. Fingers crossed, man. Hunt. I freaking hope so. Um, yeah, no, I think those were the only main ones um it is unlawful to hunt guide or outfit migratory game birds within 48 hours of flying within the same wmu hmm. i did see that one i think I does that seem a little over. extensive or does that i, I guess what I that's getting them, I think is, 24 is 24 yeah but i think what that's getting away from is is a lot of these guys own their own planes yeah. right so they're going up in the air the day before um, flying, fields. flying fields, spotting them, and there you go. But is that much different than cruising around all freaking evening in your truck with a spotting scope and binos? A little bit easier with through a plane. But I seen that forty eight hours, and that sort of, I thought, wow, that's that's a bit of time. But um, you know, and and BC they actually just banned cellular trail cameras. I did. Yeah, I think we were talking about that. 
were we or was it on the last podcast yeah so you know i don't know how i feel about that and then boone and crockett and pope and young made it now if you kill a deer that you've got on trail camera is uneligible to register if you got it on any trail camera if if you used a trail camera in for the reason of hunting and you killed that deer it is uneligible to enter I'm 100% like I'm 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 as confident about that as I wouldn't say it if I wasn't and I read that and uh yeah 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 it's uh so I seen that go up um a couple weeks ago and uh I'm just gonna bring this up here because this is something that uh Boone and Crockett trail camera It is, isn't it? So I guess what they're trying to do with that is just go back to, I don't know, go back to the way things were before technology. But, you know, I guess where do you draw the line of advantage? Because you're using, you know, you can you can now use a bow sight that ranges the freaking target for you as you're aiming at it. But you can't use a trail camera? No, that's uneligible too to enter. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, if you have any electronics on your bow, you can't enter at Pope and Young. Oh. If you have a lighted knock? Lighted knock. I'm almost positive. <laughs> lighted knock. Yes. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking look it up, man. No way. Look it up. Okay, policies of Boone and Crockett. Cellular camera. Uh, where are we here? Pope and Young announces position statement on cellular cameras July 31st. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that whole lighted knock thing. A lot of guys, a lot of really good hunters use lighted knock to shoot some big shit. Pretty common in uh, bow hunting. Okay, so. Um, so I was half correct and half wrong. That's why I looked it up. <laughs> and what it is, so the Pope and Young Club historically has not viewed the use of trail cameras as a violation of the rules of fair chase. However, with the invention of wireless trail cameras and other devices that can send real-time data to a hunter, all hunters need to consider how the use of these devices will may affect fair chase. While the use of a wireless trail camera is not automatically a violation of the rules of fair chase, using this technology to deliver real-time location data of the animal being hunted would be a violation of the rules of fair chase. Number seven. And so what they stated here... Basically, just making for sure clarification, receiving a wireless image, photo, video, GPS coordinates, which elicits an immediate real time response, guiding the hunter to the animal, would be considered a violation of rules of fair chase. So, you can't set security cameras up in the woods. So, if you had a, if you had a cellular trail camera at your bear bait and you have a Pope and Young bear there and you see it on your phone and you go run in there and kill it, you would not be eligible. As simple as that. If you had a big buck on your tree stand and you ran in there. Um, but, you know, like, if you're monitoring that spot, 
I think that would be ineligible, right? Well, and if you, you know, well, I'm going to hunt this day, and you go and hunt this day, and the bear shows up, well, how did you know? Yeah. <clears throat> here's actually um, something quite, in there's, there's a few here. So Pope and Young, the term fair chase shall not include the taking of animals under, um, helpless in a trap, deep snow or water and ice. So if you harvest an animal in very deep snow where it can't get away, that is considered, not considered fair chase, yeah. um, water or on ice. So that's sort of interesting from any power vehicle or power boat. If you arrow a bear from your power boat, jet boat or an elk, it wouldn't be eligible. Um, by boat, is it boat under power or just powered boat? No, it says from any power vehicle or power boat. Okay. Okay. Um, by jack lighting or shining at night, shining at night. By the use of any tranquilizer or poisons, while inside escape-proof fenced enclosures. <clears throat> By the use of any power vehicle or power boats for herding or driving animals, including use of aircraft to land alongside or to communicate with or direct to a hunter. Uh, any use of electronic devices for attracting, locating, or pursuing game. Um, okay, here we go. Or by the use of a bow or arrow to which any electronic device is attached with the exception of lighted knocks <laughs> and recording devices that cast no light towards the target and do not aid in range finding, mm -hmm. sighting, or shooting the bow. So that new Garmin sight better not have it. No. Yeah, ineligible. If you got a rangefinder on your bow, um, ineligible. Any other conditions considered by the board of directors as unacceptable? So most of those things are in one by one definition or the other illegal, illegal. anyway. Yeah. So you can't. I know at least in this province, you're not allowed to shoot an animal that's swimming. Um, I believe it would probably fall under the definition of um, not fair chase if the animal couldn't walk because it was in so much snow. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously you can't shoot from a powered vehicle. Now, Boone and Crockett. So Boone and Crockett, the use of electronic communication devices is ineligible to guide hunters to game. Artificial lighting, electronic light intensifying devices, two-ray radios, and cell phones. Yeah. So if you and I are hunting and we're 10 clicks apart, and I got a giant buck running towards you. I can't text you or call you. Or we are ineligible yeah. for that. Um, oh, interesting. Sites with built-in electronic range-finding capabilities, including smart scopes, are ineligible for Boone and Crockett. Drones, unmanned aerial vehicles, um, thermal imaging equipment, electronic game calls, or cameras, timers, motion tracking devices with that transmit images. So that's your cellular cameras. Yep. Uh, confined by artificial barrier, transplanted for the purpose of commercial shooting by the use of traps. Here you go again. While swimming, helpless in deep snow, or helpless in any other natural or artificial medium. Yeah, so if the animal can't get away from you, don't kill it. Yeah. That should just be a moral thing. Interesting. And then what, SEI is just 
Guns a blade. Ever give her shit, boys? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Grow that buck as big as you can and let's kill it. So that's sort of interesting. Like I was sure I seen a post that said no trail cameras at all, but it must've been the cellular trail camera thing, um, which, you know, it makes sense. Um, and that's one of those things where you, uh, you're taking a guy's word for it. Um, but now all you got it nowadays, all you gotta do is check the Facebook page. Yeah. <laughs> and if that guy's got, if that guy's been posting, you know, a picture of this deer every week for the last three weeks. And then he goes in there opening day and kills it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, Facebook has g- probably gotten a lot of people in shit. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, like technology is here and it's sort of overtaking a lot of different things in society and, you know, in civilization and um and it's here and we can't really reject it it's it's you know like the the range finding bow site is sort of interesting it's kind of like an oxymoron or whatever right it's you go back to shooting a bow to be primitive make it harder but then you go and put some piece of technology on it that's so advanced that you don't you're almost taking the whole point of it Exactly. So I got it. I seen something on my email the other day and what it is, it's a new app that some guy came up with and uh, I got to show this to you because it is absolutely absurd. Um, So what it is, you put your phone on the app on camera mode and let's say you're in the mountains and you just pan on the mountains and if there is an animal whether you see it or not your camera will recognize it and circle that animal yes i got an advertisement for it there's a a brand new tv show that is promoting it and um i thought that was a little far-fetched at first and then i watched some videos i don't know how great it works but now that is almost taking things a little bit too far. Um, animal, vision. animal vision, yeah. So, would you use something like that if you were in the mountains? No. You wouldn't. You you've got you've got good vision though, don't you? I do, but that's you know even if I was blind in one eye, I'd get a kick out of looking for shit. Man, I want to find this so bad because I could not believe it when I seen it. Um, but I can't, but yeah, so what it is, it's basically an app. It's like when uh, you put your camera on and you point it and it's, it'll circle the animal if it's on the mountain. It just figures out where it is. Yeah. Oh man. I want to find this goddamn thing. I know. So how the hell is it going to see an animal at 300 yards across the mountain valley? So the video that they showed was... um, The video they showed, they were looking at elk on the side of a mountain, and they shined their phone at it, and through the screen, they just panned the mountain, or panned the hillside, and it circled the animals. And I, uh, I was floored. I couldn't believe it, man. 
I couldn't freaking believe it. Well, that's, that's, that's just Here it is. heat-seeking technology or thermal Film. thermal vision or whatever you call it, right? That's basically what it is. That's crazy. Okay, this is it. So what's it called? I don't I don't want to give the name out to oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah, don't advertise that that crap. No, I, yeah, I just <laughs> Okay. Well, I'm going to look for it later because I do want to show you, but everyone's getting bored. So let's wrap it up. Uh, man, I hope you get a sheep. It's been a few years now. I, uh, I hope you get one. I know you're going to get some incredible footage. We'll make a super cool episode out of it. Um, but yeah, I hope you get a ram. I really do. I hope I get on to some rams. Yeah. That's what, that we did. I'm sick of chasing ewes around. Yeah. Every, every single year now, the last three years. And time to get on some yeah, no, without a doubt. <laughs> and you're uh, you're taking the whole cape out if you get one. I'll be taking the whole thing. Flash that thing, just perfect. Salt it, let her dry her a little bit, and roll her up, and you're good to go. Yeah. Okay, cool, man. I'm still undecided. Um, I will be hunting though. That is without a doubt. Uh, but yeah, let's wrap her up. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. And remember, um, Smith Game Calls is offering an insane discount. I think it's buy one, get one 50% for all their diaphragm reads. Um, go to their webpage, take advantage of that, or use promo code non typical. You'll get an additional discount. Um, again, Smith Game Calls, check them out. And thanks so much for listening, guys. We appreciate it big time. The next podcast, we will have some news for you on whether or not. We got lucky on the first uh, couple of weeks of the season. Yep. Heavy packs and straight shooting. So we'll chat with you guys in a couple of weeks. Cheers.